helping clients meet their financial goals and prepare for the future. Schroders actively and responsibly manages investments. The world is forever changing, and we understand the need to adapt and evolve in line with what matters most to our clients. Hello, my name is John Schaefer, and welcome to the City World Wealth Manager podcast. Today, I spoke with Julius Baer's Alan Hooks, who took on a new role as head of UK private clients in August after being head of the Swiss Bank's London office. We spoke about whether the COVID-19 pandemic had impacted on UK growth plans and whether there were any job calls on the horizon. Julius Baer had announced back in February that it was cutting 300 jobs across the group due to lower levels of growth. Wanted to talk a little bit about perhaps a new role. So you took on the newly created role of UK private client head um, in August. And so perhaps you could explain a little bit about the new role and, and how it differs from, from your last role. Um, yes, I mean, it's, it's really an extension of my um, previous role at the firm. Um, and you know, my main aim now is to, to, to further cement our presence across the UK. Um, and that's seen in all of our locations, really. Um, and that involves a, a real focus on clients and clients' outcomes, um, as well as making sure that we're achieving our, our business aspirations as a firm um, for our UK market, but also for our international clients that we serve from the UK, in, in particular from London. So um, Gordon Scott is um, principally responsible for our regional business now. Um, but alongside him, Martin Cuthbert in Leeds, um, Raj Ratan in London, um, really do form a, a strong leadership team, um, helping us to build out on, on a lot of the success we've had in the in the last few years as a, as a business in the UK. Um, and I think the key for us um, to be able to do that is is just to be in the marketplace, um, and whether that's with clients, with um, industry professionals other advisors to support our teams uh, in providing us as much high quality advice and service to clients is is critical for us I think perhaps let's look a little bit more into those those growth plans obviously you've you've been expanding quite significantly over the past couple of years you've you know opened offices in Manchester Leeds Edinburgh you know, quite quite a lot of regional expansion and there was sort of talk of further UK growth plans but has the pandemic put a halt to any of that at all? Um, I don't think so, actually, John. Um, I think I think we've we've continued to to reaffirm our commitment to the UK market. Um, when money has, has reduced our UK exposure lot last year, so us you know, finalising the additional opening of of you know, permanent premises in in Belfast, for example, um, taking us to five locations now across the UK. So. Um, I don't think this year's events have um, put a stop to any of that. Um, we're not in any rush. Um, we we want to continue to develop a, you know, a sustainable business, um, and you know we've been at pains to to reinforce that um, for some time. Um, and we want to make sure we do it in the right way, um, so that you know it doesn't impact our clients, um, and it's for the for the wider benefit of the firm and, and not just to solve a, a short-term aspiration or, or fix we have a, as, a, as a management team. So we are we are keen to um, make sure that um, we stick to that discipline, but um, most certainly not, I think, from a 
UK growth point of view, we're, we're still very much um, committed to that. And does that mean acquisitions of rival businesses or, or would it be sort of purely organic growth? Um, look, we, we'll, we'll look to develop um, our people um, and our client base. Um, we've done that successfully over the last few years and that will continue to play a, a major part in that. Um, clearly, the firm and the wider group has been um, quite acquisitive over, over, over its lifetime. Um, that may well play a role um, going forward, but um, should those opportunities come up, I'm sure we'll be um, looking at those, but they, they don't form a, a key part of the, the strategy. Well, is the pandemic sort of drawing up some interesting opportunities in that space for acquisitions? Well, I think we've seen that, aren't we? I mean, we're seeing um, many um, perhaps smaller providers um begin to reevaluate their positions in the marketplace. Um, I think we're seeing also many of our um, universal bank competitors considering what their private wealth businesses look like. Um, so, you know, there's, there's been a lot of that going on, but I don't think necessarily that the pandemic has um, been a, a, a reason for that. I think those considerations have been going around for a long time. Um, and I guess the, 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 the events of the last six months or so has just emphasised that a little bit more for some firms. And obviously, the, over the last couple of weeks, we've had that um, Schroeder-Sander deal. And, and would that be something perhaps that you'd be interested in, sort of looking in, in the kind of ultra-high net worth space, a, a family office that's got a sort of really solid book of very wealthy clients? Um, we already look after a number of, of of you know, client worth families and and international families at that, um, and I think still the UK remains a, an attractive place for ultra worth clients. Um, we have a, uh, a a family office service that that uh, we can bring uh, to the table, and we recognise you know what's important to many of these families. So the UK as a location most definitely plays um, a role in that, whether that's because of you know political stability, you know, rule of law, um, or, or business opportunities that there are in the UK, I think we, we most certainly see um, you know, the UK being a, a key player in, in the attraction of of online health and, and and international families to the UK. And certainly from a Julius Baird point of view, um, we think we're well positioned, um, having a you know, global expertise ability to, to operate across borders and um, all of those things I think play into uh, the needs of, of some of these families. Um, the complexity, the regulatory issues that uh, we're all facing um, will also be faced by, by many of these families and I think uh, London and other cities across the UK um, you know, are, are leading cities um, and, it, and they provide a, a good stable backdrop for, for many well, you say a, a stable backdrop and a sort of stable political environment in the UK, but are your clients at all concerned about all this Brexit turmoil that we, we've had? Obviously, that's starting to rear its head again, seemingly in the last last couple of weeks. Um, are, are any of your kind of ultra high net worth clients turned off um, a bit from the UK, considering they probably have the funds to, to go anywhere they really like? Yeah. Um, Brexit's not really featured too heavily in, in their in their sort of 
considerations. Um, you're absolutely right. Um, they can go anywhere that they like, and you know the vast, you know, the vast majority will have access to um, you know, other homes, um, locations that they can um, relocate to. So you know that that's always been there. Um, I think um, before the pandemic, certainly the, uh, the the higher priority was the political. Um, situation with um, the UK government, and I think that leads into um, considerations on on tax laws, financial regulation being a, being a, a, a greater consideration. And of course, the UK um, is, is is required to compete against other um, locations across the, across the globe in terms of um, attracting these sorts of families. Um, but I wouldn't say that Brexit per se is, has been a, a you know. A key driver in decision making for for many families. It's been a um, it, it's been part and parcel of the discussion, but not necessarily a a key driver of of decisions. That's for sure. Sure. Uh, and the kind of clients that you're targeting in the UK, obviously, we've we've talked about that regional extension. Are they all in that ultra high net worth category? What's kind of the entry level for you in terms of what you're targeting? So. I think the growth in our in our business over the last few years has really come from um, entrepreneurs um, generating wealth in the UK, and and that's that was a, a key reason um, behind um, our expansion into um, the regions uh, of of the UK in the last few years. Um, we've seen a lot of business activity taking place outside of London and the southeast. And in fact, you know, a lot of the investment opportunities for uh, families, whether they're actually from the UK or, or abroad, um, have been in the UK. Um, various tech hubs around around the country um, has, has proven to be a real um, hotbed of, of entrepreneurial activity. And that has um, been a, you know, a, a big driver of our growth. Um, and you know, since then, we've we've created you know, entrepreneurial networks uh, to help and support many of those um, business owners who are developing their businesses and working with them over time um, to see how they can make the most from their from their firms, uh, learn from each other, and create that that community spirit um, that that many of them um, will will require. Well, well, you mentioned entrepreneurs, and surely that that group has been hit very hard. Over the the last six months, um, you know, how are you dealing with with their concerns? How are you kind of supporting them, and, and, and how how badly have they been affected in, in your cohort of clients? Um, a big part of what we've been doing is listening and communicating, um, and that's across all of our client base over over the pandemic. Um, I would say in the early part of the lockdown period, we we almost over communicated, but we didn't make a you know, we didn't make an apology of that. We we thought that was incredibly important um, because we recognised that um, you know, many many families, many business owners, many of our clients are facing um, you know you know a, a very human and personal um, effect on their lives, and not just not just financial. So um, that was, um, I think, a key part of our strategy. Um, I think the lockdown has really sort of humanised our interaction with clients. Um, it's been um, intense. There's been an, an, an awful lot of content um, that we've brought to clients, whether that be in, in webinars or um, you know, webcasts 
or podcasts, whatever it might be, um, that that has been really, really well received. And I think we've recognised um, that we, we've had to have a bit of fun as well throughout this period. So, you know, we've been able to um, embark on a few uh, client events uh, virtually. Uh, perhaps you know, there's, a, there's one or two that I recall in terms of you know, virtual theatre productions, for example, um, you know, wine tasting, for example, another, all of which have just lightened the mood a little bit. Um, and I think I think what we found is, you know, and, and learned is that there's been such a, a, a greater gratitude for some of the smaller things in life um, on the back of you know, very, very small things potentially turning life lives upside down. So, you know, we've been we've been keen to, to be close to clients and I think um, this period of time has enabled us to just to you know, improve the connection with clients and, and become become closer. You mentioned that, you know, the communication with clients is, is more about the human element and perhaps the, the, the kind of stress in, in terms of hardship there. But in terms of the financial element and the financial hardship, um, you know, have clients been pulling out money if, if their businesses have been sort of adversely affected or, or, or have there been solutions that you've been able to put in, in order? I mean, have you, have you been offering loans to your clients, those kind of things? I think in the, in the main, um, our clients um, have not made knee-jerk reactions. I think they've recognised um, and been, quite frankly, in, in, in a in a position where they've not necessarily needed to, um, you know, remove money from markets or or, or realise realise positions um, too much. Um, but certainly, um, it's the case that uh, you know, for those clients that are business owners. Um, they will have had some you know, significant concerns and considerations in terms of their own cash flow within their businesses, and that will have impacted their decisions uh, more broadly. I wanted to to look at sort of the, the, the group as a whole. I mean, earlier in the year, there were announcements at Julius Baer that 300 jobs were going to be culled. And I wondered how that kind of impinged on the UK side of the business. Um. Well, from a, I guess from a cost perspective, um, we're thinking about costs all the time, and I don't think this year is any different. Um, we're always thinking about how we're managing our cost base. Um, I think the costs in the UK will always be high. Um, it's a it's a, a highly regulated environment, and the cost of doing business is is significant. Um, that's not going to change. Um, I think our view is that we believe it's it's better to focus on growth in revenues, growth in clients and developing our business um, as the as the priority. And I think importantly being a being a relationship led business, we rely we rely on people and require people to do that. Um, and we need to make sure that we've got the right people in the to be able to reach out to clients, to service clients well. Um, and particularly in the last six months, we've learned more than ever um, how relevant we are to clients, in, particularly in the, in the current crisis. And you did mention cost cutting. Um, obviously, cost cutting is a priority. So, how many jobs have, have you had to cut this year in the UK? I, I didn't say uh, cost cutting was a priority. I said that um, costs are, are, are managed 
in our business all of the time. So you know, that, that that's not necessarily any different to to any other any other year. Um, we we believe in in the growth in our business to deal with our with our high levels of costs that we're going to have in the UK, and we 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 manage the business accordingly. So, how many jobs um have you had to cut? We've we've not cut cut any any jobs in the UK this year. Okay, and and what about next year? We we don't have any plans to um, cut costs at that level. What our plans are to um, continue the growth strategy that we're on, sure. uh, develop develop revenues and, and grow the client base. Yeah. Um, again, across the group, um, kind of the most recent results in, in July were were pretty healthy um, with with um, you know profits up. Forty-three percent. Um, I don't know if you could maybe break down how the UK side of the business performed. I mean, I assume that profits mainly driven by the Swiss um, division of the bank. Um, so we've created, we've, the actual UK business um, this year has been very resilient in terms of um, growth. Um, I think um, income um, during the First two quarters were, were certainly challenged, but, but over the course of this year, we still remain uh, where we wanted to be. Uh, what's most pleasing, I think, is the growth in our client base over the course of this year. Um, and we have um, maintained that trajectory of, of growth um, in 2020, which is, which is most pleasing. So, yeah, I think we've all contributed to um, the group's results um, across the board. Um, and you know, we're, we're no different from a, from a a UK point of view, and are you able, able to perhaps break down some some of the the revenue and and, and profit um, year on year? So we wouldn't we wouldn't disclose that information, John. We mentioned earlier that ultra high net worth families can can basically go anywhere, and we did touch a bit on on the sort of status of the UK. But um, you know, what's the incentive for a UK? Wealthy person to go to opt for a, a Swiss bank, essentially. Um, well, Switzerland's got, a, I guess, a very rich heritage in in private banking. Um, they're very much a focus on high levels of client service and investment management capability. Um, I think, as an international uh, firm and as an international location, the ability to Operate across jurisdictions is is important. Um, we, we touched earlier on ultra high net worth clients, and and that's clearly a, a, an important aspect to have as part of the business. Um, I believe that the the brands within Switzerland still carry a, a degree of, of of cachet, which is you know, important for some. Um, and I think access to um, you know, the, the global expertise across across the firm is is equally important. Um, I think for us, um, the fact that we we dedicate our service to service, serving private clients is incredibly important, actually. Um, and that's been a, a, you know, a, a big uh, driver of the attraction of clients from the, from the last few years. The clients have, have recognized that we do um, one type of business. We don't have a complicated um, structure in terms of corporate banking, retail banking, etc., that that you might find elsewhere, and that's that's been a, a, a big attraction for for bringing new clients to the firm over the last few years. 
I wanted to look over over the next year. Obviously, you don't have a crystal ball, but what do you think is going to be the, the biggest challenge for your ultra high net worth clients going forward? Um, I guess it's the ever uncertainty across the globe. Um, as, as we've mentioned earlier, many of the ultra high net worth client base will have uh, choices. Um, of course, um, they they will have uh, considerations in terms of. Um, financial markets, their investments. Um, and I think you know, when it comes to you know, some of the key talking points that we see with ultra-high net worth families, we, we look at you know, political stability being, being um, you know, part of that, as I, as I mentioned earlier. I think um, family, family governance and you know, the roadmap as to how uh, the family evolves over time is, is something that comes up very regularly when, when we're talking to our client and families and international families in particular. Um, tax laws, uh, regulation, um, I would say will play a part. Um, you know, this financial crisis will have to be um, paid for in some way, shape or form. Uh, indications look like that, uh, that you know, the fiscal ask will be uh, greater than ever in, in not only um, you know, one part of the world, but across the globe, I think that will be uh, you know, yeah. a big significant And, and I, I suppose there must be an element of concern that wealthier um, people will be taking up a, a, a larger portion of the tab, I would have thought. And and we've already seen that narrative a little bit um, in the UK. We've seen it elsewhere in terms of you know, the switch to you know, potentially wealth taxes and so on. All of these things, I believe, are, are in the mix for, for discussion at, at government level and will be, will be um, preying on the minds of, of many families um, who um, would be within the scope of that. So I, I, that, that's a, a major consideration. Well, Alan, it's been a pleasure to talk to you this afternoon. Thank you so much. Thanks very much, John. Schroders is built on 200 years of experience and expertise. We partner with our clients, constructing innovative products and solutions across private assets and alternatives, solutions, mutual funds, institutional and wealth management. By combining our commitment to active management and focus on sustainability, our strategic capabilities are designed to deliver positive outcomes. With over 5,000 talented staff across 35 locations, we are able to stay close to our clients and understand their needs.